Welcome. You're listening to Latin Waves with your hosts, Sylvia and Stuart Richardson. Latin Waves is more than just hot rhythms. This is a show about community, about creating a culture that is inclusive and based on fairness. Because everyone deserves dignity, respect, and has something to contribute. A new world is possible, and it all starts with us. You are listening to Latin Ways. I'm your host, Sylvia Richardson. I am delighted this afternoon to be joined by Kevin Pina. He's a journalist, filmmaker, country expert in Haiti, and the founder of Haiti Info Proj. Thank you so much for joining us, Kevin. Thanks, Sylvia. Glad to be here. Haiti has been in the news of late, and perhaps not enough, but we know that there's been a lot of upheaval and demonstrations. Can you quickly give a brief a history of what's going on in Haiti right now? I, you know, I could go back to 1991 and the first coup against Aristide that the United States backed. But really, I think the roots to what's happening in Haiti today You can draw a direct line to the coup d'etat of 2004, which was backed by the United States, France, and Canada, where they tried to portray that Aristide had been forced out by a popular revolt, but we now know, know, of course, by virtue of hindsight, that there was no real legs to that uh, so-called movement, that in fact it was through foreign non-governmental organizations, largely funded from CETA, the Canadian International Development Agency, as well as USAID, Uh, built an opposition out of whole cloth. And then they forced, they kidnapped Aristide, they forced him into exile, and Haiti's democratic institutions were destroyed. Remember that it wasn't just about Aristide, it was 7,500 elected officials at the national and local levels who were forced out during that coup. It was not a bloodless coup. It resulted in at least 10,000 deaths over a 15-year period Uh, And that's not including the deaths from cholera when the United Nations brought cholera to Haiti. Uh, But the truth is that this ushered in a 15-year United Nations military occupation where both the United States and Canada, after breaking, supporting a coup that broke Haiti's democratic institutions, promised that they were going to rebuild it and invested billions of dollars in creating a new police force, Billions of dollars in what they said was reforming the judiciary. Billions of dollars in what they said was reforming the prison system. Only to now create this nightmare that Haiti is suffering from today. What they did was they oversaw a two regimes of the PHTK political party that were kleptocratic, that were corrupt. They knew they were corrupt from Michel Martelly to Jovenel Moïse. Let's not forget that that, uh, Michel Martelly only became president of Haiti in 2011 through fraud, through Hillary Rodham Clinton, then Secretary of State of the United States, directly intervening in Haiti's internal political processes to change the way that votes were calculated that allowed Michel Martelly to go to the second round and win the presidential elections. Michel Martelly was a criminal, They knew he was a criminal, a thug, and it was under his watch that the gangs that are now terrorizing Haiti were supported and enabled. The United States knew it, even though they supported his regime. Canada knew it, even though they supported his regime, that he had ties to gangs, that he was using gangs to repress political opposition, 
We know that his successor, handpicked successor, Jovenel Moise, who was assassinated, I'm sure most people know, also deepened ties with those gangs. So that today you have a police force that is so corrupt that it said that between 50 to 60 percent of the police force have direct ties and are members of the same gangs that the United States and the, that, and the United Nations are condemning today, despite the fact that they grew up under their watch and their support of two successive corrupt regimes. One of the things that is clear is how how opportune disasters have become for empire. You know, we, we see that incident with the cholera and the earthquakes being used not only, as you point out, to bring down any kind of self-government Haiti could have possibly had left, uh, but also imposing this new way of ruling, you know, by proxy, you know, the, this whole idea that aid agencies are in the country to help. Um, Canada has actually recently boasted of having invested $30 million in enforcing the police in Haiti. Can you talk yeah. about this? Yeah, well, you know, all I can say is that they're talking about how the um, gas in Haiti, the fuel depot, has been blocked by gangs. Well, those gangs took six hours with two backhoes to dig this huge trench to block the main highway in front of Haiti's main oil terminal, main gasoline distribution terminal, as the police, those Canadian-funded police, sat by and watched. Again, how many times does Canada put out propaganda, basically the Canadian government, saying that it is helping Haiti when, in fact, all of its aid has done is made things worse. I don't know where they're, how they're spending their money. Quite frankly, I don't, either these guys have no good accounting or accountability for how their money's spent. They're certainly not getting what they claim is the outcome for the money that they're investing. How can you have a police force, again, where 50 to 60% of its members, of its force, are members of those same gangs that they're lamenting today is destroying the country and that they're using to justify foreign boots on the ground. How can they justify it? Again, you know, I was there when Canadian Special Forces were training the police. I was there. This was after 2004, the coup. Canadian Special Forces came in and they were training Haiti's police department. They had, they had Canadian cops from Royal Canadian Mounties who were there who were training Haiti's police department only to end up with the corrupt institution it is today. What's that expression that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. Well, I can only say that Canadian foreign policy is as bankrupt as U.S. foreign policy when it comes to accountability for the money they spend in Haiti. So we know that it's not to promote democracy. So why is Haiti so important to empire? Well, you know, most people don't know that Haiti is actually a very mineral-rich country that there are literally hundreds of tons of iridium. If you know much about the price of iridium, you know that that's billions upon billions of dollars in the ground. There's gold, there's uranium. There's also a large oil reserve sitting underneath Haiti uh, that there are some companies who are chomping at the bit uh, to get at. Remember that Haiti's constitution does not allow foreign ownership, which is, of course, why one of the things that the U.S. puppet government of Ariel Henry is trying to do is to rewrite the Constitution to change that. And, of course, then we have to look at one of the things that Canadian apparel manufacturers exploit, of course, is Haiti's cheap labor. 
So they improved their bottom lines, hundreds of millions of dollars, by using Haiti just as a threat against other countries to keep the price of labor low in the hemisphere. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking particularly of Gildan Activewear, um, which has extensive contracts in Haitian sweatshops. So Haiti is not actually a poor country. It's that Haiti's people have never been able to have access to their own wealth. It has always been an oligarchy that the U.S. and Canada are comfortable doing business with, that they've allowed to foment coup d'etat after coup d'etat, that they've allowed to run gangs, and then they have the nerve to call them the private sector. When these guys are not free market capitalists at all, but rather than monopolists who control a captive market today of 12 million souls. A country that has been invaded time and time again. In your uh, film, In Haiti, We Must Kill the Bandits, not only do you tell the story, you speak about the coup, but you also reveal the face of imperialism, you know, the nakedness of it. Can we talk a little bit about what is the responsibility of a global society that has all this dialogue and rhetoric about democracy and you know protecting people and at the same time f- allowing you know the continual funding of wars well they destroyed that country with the 2004 coup like i said you can draw a straight line to that ill-fated day february 29 2004 they have no responsibility for it and the truth is that they don't do it for free They are only representing their own national interests. They don't give a damn about Haitians. Not really. They can cry about humanitarianism, but right now humanitarianism is being used as cover to put foreign boots on the ground. And it's interesting, you know, the uh, U.S. military plane, there have been two of them, one that landed yesterday, another today, and they say that the reason is that they're unloading gasoline for the U.S. Embassy, which, of course, is a joke. I, I saw an interview with a Haitian employee at the U.S. Embassy who said, yeah, what are you talking about? We have a larger fuel depot than the entire country of Haiti. It's a self-sufficient compound. You know, it's also the fourth largest embassy, U.S. Embassy in the world for one of the smallest countries in the region. So, uh, you know, th- there's always cover for what they do. But it was like three hours ago. So there have been these planes that have landed. There are U.S. Marines, small contingents that have been uh, ferrying uh, material, which we're not quite clear what it is, in huge trucks to the U.S. Embassy. And right on cue, just three hours ago, the gangs, the so-called gangs that the U.N. claims they want to get rid of, started circulating just ultra-violent execution videos of citizens in Haiti, in their homes, clearly low-intensity conflict against the population that is being used for a propaganda campaign to, again, justify foreign intervention inside of the country. There are some dark people who are behind what is going on and the manipulation of the situation and in the perception of the public. These people are dark-minded. When you think about what links they will go to, to manipulate support for foreign intervention. It's just extraordinary to me. And sadly, you know, it's um, it's a story all too common, right? For us in Latin America, while the benevolent bombs from the U.S. were landing on Salvadorian soil, <laughs> we were told that we were being liberated by the U.S. And so mm-hmm. it's a very common story. 
so why would we think that the government wouldn't lie to us about something like an invasion of a country they have invaded multiple times? Well, just think of weapons of mass destruction in uh, Saddam Hussein. And remember that it was Judith Miller in the, in the New York Times uh, who wrote that there were weapons of mass destruction. Of course, the New York Times had to apologize uh, and withdraw that. But this is the same New York Times that was lying and pushing for Aristide to be taken out in the 2004 coup that was justifying taking out a democratically elected leader in Haiti under the same administration, the Bush administration. And talk about a room of liars, but it doesn't matter. Again, we know that they lie to us. Uh, They rarely tell us the truth. They're usually games within games. And again, it is all about promoting American exceptionalism or, or Canadian exceptionalism. It's about promoting their own national interests, economic interests. It is not caring out of care for the people they claim uh, to be concerned about. If it were, then they would be supporting Haitians in their decision to take control of their own government. What they don't want is a real transformation, economic transformation, that would in any way threaten the stability of their partners in Haiti, which are the oligarchy. In the last few years, you know, the people have forgotten about the cholera incident and all the money that was flooding to Haiti after the earthquakes. People were generous and wanted to alleviate suffering. And I was I was in Haiti and I was it didn't escape to me how after months of receiving aid, the country just looked like the earthquake had happened the day before. You know, there was still no water. There was still infrastructure was still not repair. There were still people without potable water. And the tent cities were everywhere. How has this... Well, $7 billion went poof, up in smoke. You know, just uh, no discernible proof that that money was really spent to care and rebuild the lives of Haiti's people. Poof, $7 billion. And of course... You know, this was, again, a great part of the theft happened under the very government that the United States installed through fraud, the Michel Martelly government. You got to realize after Martelly was elected, there were continuous demonstrations for nearly a year where people were killed by the police. After Jovenel Moise was elected, there were nearly continuous demonstrations for two years. As a matter of fact, during his entire, almost during his entire uh, term in office, there were regular demonstrations calling for him to resign and calling out the electoral fraud. Uh, You know, these people are shameless. Uh, They do not really care about anyone but themselves, and we should not fool ourselves. I got to say that there was recently a U.S. diplomat, uh, Kenneth Merton, who I didn't have much respect for, but I have more respect for him because on his way out the door, he was discharged the affair of Hades. On his way out the door, he said, hey, my job in the U.S. embassy is not to help Haitians. My job is to represent U.S. foreign policy interests, the interests of the United States. And that's where it begins, and that's where it ends. And I at least have to respect him for being honest about it. You know, I can, I can deal with that. It's the game playing and the pretending um, that is cynical. And yet I, I have to bring us back to the people because, you know, Haiti was the first country that liberated itself from slavery. And for that, you know audacity of daring to see themselves as free the Haitian people had to pay odious debt to France and later you know to the states and despite 
decades and decades of um, aggression, the people continue to struggle. Um, so how do we reconcile both, right? The fact that we as a, a global people, you know, have a responsibility to see the rapacity, to see the crimes committed by, you know, empire expansion, and to not only um, stop the suffering and stop the imports of guns, because literally that's what Canada is doing, sticking to its guns literally right now, you know, by sending more guns and funding the police in Haiti. Um, how do we learn from that sense of resilience and resistance that the people of Haiti are teaching us about? You listen to Latin Ways. To support our work, please visit latinwaysmedia.com and consider becoming a member for as little as $1 per month. Thank you for listening. Well, I mean, it, it really is a race right now on the ground in Haiti, and that's why there's this rush now to intervene, not to help Haitians, but because Haitians have been en masse in the streets protesting now it's almost two months uh, nonstop. There's now been a brief break, but almost two months nonstop they went. And it was really a threat to the existing order. They've been calling for a transformation to end the old regimes, to end U.S. Uh, manipulation and foreign manipulation in their internal political affairs and in their political processes, in their electoral processes. And they are close to toppling that U.S. puppet government. And so if there are boots that are put on the ground, it is, in fact, cover to keep that government in power to oversee the next round of fraudulent elections in that country. The United States has ruled since the coup d'etat through a series of corrupt elections that they have put their stamp of approval on, and the people have been resilient and have continued to oppose the coup d'etat of 2004 all the way to the current and present moment where they are calling for transformation, real transformation in their country and an end to foreign interference. Uh, you're right. They are, they are extraordinary. I could only put it this way. I know many people who have been killed um, in Haiti, friends, uh, fellow journalists. Um, I've known many who have suffered at the hands of U.S. Marines, Canadian Special Forces, French Foreign Legion. I've known many who've suffered at the hands of the United Nations directly killing protesters. Uh, you remember that you mentioned cholera. Well, the United Nations brought cholera to Haiti and nearly 50,000 people have been affected, right? T tens of thousands have died and they tried to deny and cover it up. Juan Gabriel Valdez, you know, the guy who betrayed Unidad Popular in Chile, you know, who's now being rewarded as the Chilean ambassador to Washington, you know, was the, was the head of the United Nations political mission. He said that it was false. U.N. troops fired on protesters who knew the truth about the United Nations bringing cholera to Haiti and killed many in, in uh, um, Capaycien, Ocap, Haiti's second largest city when protests broke out there. So, you know, this has been a long, hard struggle. It's been difficult to watch at times and to participate in and to, and to love and lose many dear comrades. Many dear people whose only crime was to 
want to build a better future for their kids in their own country. Uh, but again, it has never, ever stopped or missed a beat. It just, the heart of Haiti continues to beat forward. And I have faith now that this is, you know, they can do whatever they want. It's never going to get resolved or go away until they allow a popular government, a true democratic government that represents the aspirations of the majority of the poor in Haiti, not the elites, not the Francophonies who, who are more beholden to speaking French than they are their own Creole language, you know, who, who, who put their darker grandmother in the back closet when their company comes over with their wealthy white friends. I'm not talking about those people. I'm not talking about the so-called middle class who think that they're better than the peasant class in Haiti. I'm talking about the majority of the, uh, of the population, which are the lump and poor. Haiti is, Haiti, you know, those people have purposefully been kept poor. And again, it's not because Haiti's a poor country. It's because it has been controlled. It has been raped. It has been brutalized in order to extract as much profit out of it at the expense of its own people as those in power could get away with, and those foreign governments who benefited from it. But in the middle of it, that strong heart of Haiti for independence continues to beat. And I, I, again, I just know too clearly, this is not going to end. It's going to continue until they allow real change to occur in Haiti. And I see it also, you know, in the people of Haiti, their resilience, their constant um, heart to struggle. Because I also believe that no people wants to be enslaved. You know, we saw the Colombians elect a government against all odds. You know, they have the largest um, U.S. embassy, and yet they did it. And so I think that the, the pushing Haiti is to um, keep those victories from happening but they are going to happen they're happening anyways because the people never give up i think once you lose your fear of death you know we learn that we all die we're all eventually going to die the question is what are we willing to die for are we willing to die for a world that breathes a world that allows every human being to have the same ability to raise their children to aspirate you know to just dream of different dreams other than being a slave of empire then i think we realize that it's worth it's worth struggling and yes i don't make small of the sacrifices we have made and the sacrifices we have suffered uh, but i believe that there are no people in this world who want to be living at the foot of empire you know and <laughs> with their foot on their throat so we will continue to see this kind of resilience i wonder if you could talk about your project the haiti info project because i think this is a really powerful way for people to not only be informed but also participate in a different kind of movement one that is not in support of empire but one that allow us as human beings, to unite our efforts and to reimagine the world anew. We fought against the false narratives of the 2004 coup, and quite frankly, we won. And we won because we were telling the truth. People did not want to even call it a coup d'etat, didn't want to acknowledge that it was even a coup. But we were always consistent in presenting evidence. And we always, for me, I always knew that because it was going against the dominant narrative, that I needed images that would show people 
what was actually going on, to give veracity to the claims and telling that side of the story that was not being reported in the corporate media. The six corporations that own 90% of the media in the United States, which have cozy relationships with our own government and the State Department and tend to toe their line. I knew that if I was going to go toe-to-toe with them, I had to have evidence, visual evidence, to back up the claims and assertions. And so when I was in Haiti and I was producing my films, I relied upon a network of Haitians to keep me safe, to take me places, to, uh, you know, many of whom I trained, who then began to take their own images um, and, you know, I trained an entire generation in digital editing and digital cameras when I was the um, uh, uh, station manager of Haiti's largest television station. And I was a, a, uh, a consultant with the national television station when I was living there. So when I came back to this country, um, I thought, well, the best thing that I could do is to maintain that network. But more importantly, why don't I work with average Haitians in their communities distribute cell phone cameras to them, buy them cards for their cell phones, and let them tell the story of their reality through their own eyes with their own cameras. And of course, with technology and WhatsApp rooms and, 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 you know, and, the, and the burgeoning network inside of Haiti, it's become easier and easier to do. So that's really the idea behind the Haiti Information Project, is to counter the lies is to counter the dominant narrative that does not tell us the whole truth in the mainstream media by arming Haitians with the ability to tell their own story and then sharing it and helping to contextualize it, uh, helping to curate it and translate it and put it out to the world from their perspective. And that, that's really what the Haiti Information Project is about. And, and again, you're right, it's a Twitter, it's called Haiti Info Proj, the at sign, H-A-I-T-I-I-N-F-O-P-R-O-J. Not only is that powerful because, you know, we don't get to live forever. None of us do. So it's important that we invest in the generations to come so that we can not only see those dreams of liberation, but also offer, you know, possibilities so our children don't have to just dream of surviving but rather can imagine striving and growing and thriving you know and so I love your project I love that sense of empowerment from the bottom up and that that's literally how we create a new society you know out of the ashes we build new possibilities um can you uh, tell our audience also how they can access your film? I know your film has been out for a while and you've been very generous with it, but it's a story that the world should know and should really learn from it. If you search through HaitiInformationProject.blogspot.com, you'll see a page that's dedicated to Haiti, We Must Kill the Bandits, and I have a, a free copy that's available there. Uh, it's got a watermark on it, but... Uh, still people can access it and see it and uh, understand what went down in the, the coup of 2004 and and the real impact that it's had on the Haitian people. And again, uh, I'll just make the point, you can draw a straight line from there to events today. Uh, the only thing in between was a 15-year United Nations military occupation, billions of dollars wasted that have only made the situation worse. That's tragic and inspiring at the same time, you know as we learn how resilient and um, how much we have to learn from the Haitian people about resisting empire and oppression. Thank you so much for being with me. My pleasure. Thank you, Sylvia. 
Thank you for listening to Latin Waves. Latin Waves is an independently produced syndicated radio program made available for free to campus and community radios and also to the world at latinwavesmedia.com. Please visit the website to hear previous shows, hear about upcoming events, and consider becoming a member for as little as $1 per month.